1: Taryn Pritchett.
2: It is the eve of the Notre Dame football opener, and what an opener it is. Number five, Notre Dame in Columbus at the Horseshoe, as they celebrate the 100th anniversary of that terrific building. And the Irish will take on the number two team of the country, the Ohio State Buckeyes. Las Vegas says this is not a top five matchup. Ohio State favored by a whopping 17 points. But the odds makers do not play the game. Usually they're pretty smart, but let's see what happens tomorrow. 7.30 kickoff tomorrow night. So we're just about 26 and a half hours away. From Marcus Freeman's first regular season game as head coach of the Fighting Irish, he will face his alma mater, Ohio State, Ryan Day. Just doesn't lose, it doesn't seem like, as Ohio State head coach. They have the most powerful offense returning in college football. How good will the Ohio State defense be? How good will the Irish offense be with a brand new starting quarterback in Tyler Buckner? All these questions we've had for months will be answered Tomorrow night, it's the final exam for these two teams based on a summer-long worth of work leading up to this first game in Columbus. My name is Darren Pritchett. Great to have you on board as we broadcast live on 960 AM WSBT. We are streaming live at WSBTradio.com, the WSBT radio app, and we're live on the Twitch app. It is 10 minutes after 5 o'clock on a sunny Friday, September the 2nd of 2022. On top of all the football talk, my head is blown right now because one month from today, I'll be calling a Notre Dame hockey game. Once football starts, everything comes at you very, very quickly in other fall and winter sports. So I've got that to look forward to, and hopefully you have that to look forward to as well. We're on the air tonight until 640. Here's what I want to accomplish tonight on the eve of this opener. First game of the year, so we have to get some predictions out of the way for this game for the season. So coming up in a couple of moments, we'll play our old advantage game. I've got game predictions, individual stat predictions, team stat predictions. We'll go through the Notre Dame schedule, and I'll attempt to pick the schedule win-loss for each game. We'll see what record we come up with. Also, coming up later on this hour, the college football playoff Predictions. Which four teams will make the playoff? Who wins the national championship? Now, as I mentioned that, we have received word just a few moments ago. It is now official from the college football playoff. 2026, the college football playoffs will go to 12 teams. Now, before I go any further, there is still a chance it could be implemented before that. Maybe 2024. That's up to the conference commissioners and Mr. Swarbrick if they can get that accomplished. Here are the details. Again, the new format, 12 teams. The six highest-ranked conference champions go to the college football playoff. The other six spots go to at-large team. Those are non-conference champions. The top four teams in the ranking that our conference champions are seated one through four and they get a first-round bye. So Notre Dame, as an independent, will never be number one, number two, number three, or number four. They could be number one in the college football playoff rankings at the end of the conference championship season. They could be the number one team, but the best they can be as an independent is the number five team in the country, and they would have to play a first-round game. As a fan, is it worth being an independent based on that fact? Something to ponder. So, the top four teams ranked that are conference champions, they get the first round bye. The other eight play a first-round game. The first-round games will be... At the home of the highest seeded team, or they choose the location. So, for example, Notre Dame, the best they could be in the ranking is number five. They would host a first round game as the number five, or the six, or the seven, or the eight. Nine, 10, 11, 12 go on the road for that first round game. The quarterfinals and semifinals will take place in bowl sites. So we will use bowl games to play the quarterfinals and the semis. So no home field advantage. And then you have your national championship game at the location selected way in advance. So again, let me repeat it one more time. 2026 at the latest, a 12-team college football playoff is coming. The 6 highest ranked conference champions are in the playoff. The six highest-ranked at-large teams are in the playoffs. So, Notre Dame, again, could be number one in the rankings, but the best seeding they could get is number five if they stay as an independent. If they join the Big Ten, they're number one in the seeding process. They are number one in the college football playoff rankings. They would get a first-round bye, and they would move on from there with a chance to go to a bowl site to play that quarterfinal round game. First round games on campuses, again, quarterfinals, semis, bull sites, title game at a location selected by the committee way in advance. So that's the new look college football playoff. At the latest 2026, there is hope. This could be put together by 2024. So we might be just a couple of years away From a 12-team college football playoff. Two things that stand out. From my standpoint. Sitting here in South Bend. At a radio station with a microphone in front of me. Number one. Notre Dame being just a number five seed at best. Part of being an independent. Number two. 12 teams getting into the playoff. I think if you're a Notre Dame football fan. You feel very confident. That your team should make the playoff most years. Let me just throw out a number. If I were to say 12 teams make the playoff, based on what we have seen from Notre Dame football the last decade, if I said Notre Dame would make the playoffs 8 out of 10 years, would you buy that? Would you agree with that? Maybe 7 out of ten, eight out of 10? 12 teams getting in, pretty big margin now, again, Six of those spots go to the highest ranked conference champions, so it does take away some spots. Let me just set up one more piece of information. Based on last year and the college football rankings, using this formula, this is how it would have looked. The first round games would have looked like this Number nine, Oklahoma State, at number eight, Ole Miss. The winner gets Alabama in the quarterfinals be a fun game Oklahoma State Ole Miss another first round game again Georgia did not win the SEC so they're the five they would be hosting number 12 Pitt can he pick it against that defense that would be fun winner would have got number four Baylor another first round matchup based on last year's rankings using the new format number 10 Michigan State to Columbus to take on number 7 Ohio State. The Buckeyes hammered the Spartans last year, so that would be a rematch, and the winner would get another Big Ten team, number 2 Michigan. The other first-round matchup would have been the 11-seed Utah on the road to South Bend to take on the 6th-ranked Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. The winner of that game between Notre Dame and Utah would get the 3-seed, the Cincinnati Bearcats. Okay, so that's what it would have looked like. And if the higher seeds would have won all those games, based on that, the semifinals would have been Alabama against Baylor, if they beat Georgia, probably not, and then Michigan-Cincinnati in the other semifinals. So Notre Dame, to get to the title game last year, would have had to beat Utah, Cincinnati, and either Michigan or Ohio State or Michigan State. That would have been the path. So Georgia, alabama Even Oklahoma State, who beat Notre Dame in the bowl game, they would have been on the other side of the bracket. I think you would have taken your chances with that road to the college football championship game. So that's how it would look in the future based on the rankings from last year. So we're going from 4 to 12, just like that. And who knows, we might go to 16 a decade or two. From now, all right. Let's get down to business. Notre Dame, Ohio State, from the horseshoe tomorrow night, seven thirty here on Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT.
1: The first pitch of the first pitch of the night, and we are ready for the first pitch. Of- Into the windup, in his first offering, just a bit outside. He tried the corner and missed.
2: So we're gonna ha- we're gonna have the advantage game to start off our prediction portion of the program. The advantage game we've done this for years. We take six categories in the Notre Dame game matchup and try to figure out who will have the advantage. So we start the advantage game with the Ohio State Buckeyes on offense. Category number one: When Ohio State runs the football, who has the advantage? Travion Henderson can sometimes be lost in the shuffle with this high-powered passing attack that Ohio State put on the field last year. This is a talented young running back with over 1,200 rushing yards last year. He's running behind an offensive line that features two anchors on the outside, two tackles that are pre All-Americans, but the interior of the offensive line has new parts. Notre Dame's run defense was pretty good, not college football playoff elite good, but solid. In this particular matchup, I think with the stress that the Ohio State passing game puts on you, I feel like Ohio State will be able to run the football enough to provide, if they want it, balance in this football game. So when Ohio State runs it, even though their quarterback, C.J. Stroud, doesn't run very often, I believe Ohio State has the advantage when the Buckeyes attempt to run the football. Next up in the advantage game, when Ohio State throws it. This one I really didn't have to think about too long. I think this is the biggest mismatch, and this isn't because Notre Dame's defense I don't trust. It's just the respect I have for the Ohio State offense returnings. Smith and Jigba, Harrison Jr. among the wide receiving core. They lost two great receivers, and it doesn't feel like they lost much. We had a guest on from Ohio State earlier in the week. He believes this group could be better than last year's, and that's saying something. A lot of pressure on Hart, Bracey, Lewis, the Irish Corners. You got Brandon Joseph back there, who sure sounds like he is going to be a stud at safety hopefully wiping out some pass plays from the safety spot. But I got to go Ohio State. C.J. Stroud, 44 touchdown passes, six picks last year, completed 71% of his passes. Not bad for a first-year starting quarterback last year. Next up in the advantage game, let's go to the Notre Dame offense when the Irish run the football. Who has the advantage? Ohio State. 25th in the country in run defense last year, giving up 125 yards per game. But let's put an asterisk by that. They were overpowered at times by a couple of teams, in particular Michigan. Notre Dame has a very strong physical offensive line. Now, what we hear out of Columbus, the defensive line is... One of the most improved parts of this Buckeye football team, there's a lot of five stars. They're going to use 12 different defensive linemen apparently. But the Irish have a weapon that will be unwrapped to the world tomorrow night, and that is sophomore Audric Estime. Got a little Jerome Bettis in him, big guy with nimble feet can't wait to see if he can overpower that Ohio State defense. You still have Chris Tyree, the speedy Tyree coming off the turf toe last year, injured in the spring. Let's hope he stays healthy. He might have a lot of roles in this game. Special teams, wide receiver, running back, who knows what else. I think the Irish do enough running the football to have the advantage when the Irish attempt to run it against Ohio State's defense. Next up in the Advantage game when Notre Dame throws the football, am I taking the Irish or the Buckeyes? This is difficult because it's the first game, a revamped Ohio State defense, a Notre Dame offense with a brand new quarterback from a first time starting standpoint. We've had 30 plus throws of Tyler Buckner from last year not a lot to go on so this is going to be a bit of a guess when you factor in first time starting quarterback from the outside looking in question marks at the wide receiver position i think ohio state will pin their ears back and come after tyler buckner i think they're going to force him to get rid of the football quicker than he wants they're going to try to force him into mistakes. I think Buckner's going to be really good when they move him outside the pocket, but in the pocket is where I have my concerns. I don't want to say doubts, but concerns. I need to see it. So based on the fact Ohio State's probably going to come after him at times, and I'm not quite sure how Buckner's going to handle it. Maybe he'll handle it just fine. But when you factor in a lot of young receivers, are they going to recognize blitz? Are they going to run the right route? Are they going to stop running the route they're supposed to, read the defense. If the middle linebacker blitzes, you want to fill that hole where he came from. Is that going to happen? Will that reaction be there? Will they be on the same page? Based on that, when Notre Dame throws it, I'm giving the advantage to Ohio State. Special teams, I'm going to give it a push. I need to see data. I need to see these teams in action. I'm excited to see Notre Dame's Apparent more aggressive approach to special teams. Maybe it'll make a difference. Group apparently has gotten better in fall camp. Kicking field goals compared to the spring. But I'm still going to give it a push for now. And finally, intangibles. Ohio State's on their home field. 100th anniversary of the Horseshoe. A lot of pomp and circumstance at the Horseshoe Saturday night. Number two team in the country. The team that's supposed to win the national title. Not from the SEC. So I'm going to give the intangibles to Ohio State. They're supposed to win the game. Let's see if they pull it off. So our advantage game gives Ohio State the advantage in four categories, Notre Dame an advantage in one, and one category was a push. So how about some game predictions for tomorrow? Let's go through a few. First off, this is more of a wagering thing but also it factors in who wins the coin flip it sounds like Marcus Freeman might be a defer guy I expect Ryan Day if he wins the coin toss he's going to put his offense on the field right away and try to put Notre Dame's offense up against it try to get him down seven nothing before they take the field so who scores first I'm going to say Ohio State who leads at halftime I'm going to say Ohio State Now to some individual and team numbers. Notre Dame running the football. You know, I gave them the advantage against Ohio State. I've got the Irish 27 rushes for 125 yards. That's 4.6 yards per carry. Andrick Estime, in my estimation, will be the leading ball carrier. 12 carries, 55 yards, and a touchdown. Chris Tyree, 8 rushes for 32 yards. When Notre Dame throws the football, I've got Tyler Buckner at 50%, 19 of 38, 227 yards, a touchdown and an interception. The most catches goes to wide receiver Lorenzo Styles Jr. I've got Styles six receptions, 91 yards and the lone passing touchdown. All-American Michael Mayer. Hey, a lot of focus on him, we know it, but he's still going to come up with five catches for 49 yards. Now let's turn to Ohio State when the Buckeyes rush the football. I've got them 38 carries, 180 yards for 4.7 yards per carry. Trevion Henderson comes up with 135 of those 180 yards. Ohio State passing the football. I've got CJ Stroud, 22 of 31 for 300 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. His top target, no surprise, may be the best wide receiver in the country, Jackson, Smith, and Jigba. Nine receptions, 185 yards, and two touchdowns, with Marvin Harrison Jr. backing him up. Five catches, 51 yards. I've got Notre Dame's leading tackler coming from the secondary. And the newcomer, the All-American candidate, safety Brandon Joseph, with 12 tackles. The spread is Ohio State, minus 17, over-under total points, 59. We'll come up with a final score prediction coming up later on in the hour, but based on some of those numbers, I think you can tell I'm leaning Ohio State. As we continue on with some predictions, the season predictions for Notre Dame. Let's go game by game. Here's how I see it with my best guess. Notre Dame at Ohio State. The Irish walk away with a loss in Columbus. They follow that up with a three game winning streak. Notre Dame cruises by Marshall and California. Those are two home games. So they are two and one going to Chapel Hill. May is the new quarterback for Carolina, had a big first game against a weak opponent, former Alabama recruit, former top 50 recruit in the country. I think the Irish go to Chapel Hill and pick up a road win over North Carolina to move to 3-1. The Irish then head to Vegas to take on BYU. I have the Irish being upset by the Cougars in Vegas before coming home and winning back to back games over Stanford and UNLV, so the Irish are now 5-2. Notre Dame goes to the Carrier Dome, takes care of business against Syracuse. They come home and fall to a Clemson team that I believe will have the best defense that the Irish will see this year. And then Notre Dame ends the regular season with three straight wins, a win over Navy and Baltimore, a win over Phil, Bill Dracovic and BC, and then they'll go to the Coliseum and they will win at USC. I have the Fighting Irish with a regular season record of nine and three, which sends them to a regular game so that is the way I'm going to predict this season to unfold always enjoy being wrong if the Irish can do better than that particular number coming up in a little bit our playoff predictions for this year but coming up next our Twitter question of the day from sports radio 960 WSBT.
1: Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Touchdown, Chris Tyree! Yes, ninety-eight yards. On Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Wide open, touchdown Notre Dame. Lorenzo Styles. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett.
2: Sixteen minutes in front of six o'clock on this Notre Dame game day eve on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Our pregame coverage starts tomorrow. At 2 o'clock and runs until 6.30. At 6.30, Notre Dame National Radio picks up the pregame coverage with kickoff at 7.30. And after the game, the official Notre Dame football postgame show wraps it all up for you here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Of course, our local pregame show and the postgame show is going to be at WSBTradio.com and the WSBT radio app. Let's get to one more set of predictions. The college football playoffs. We'll have four teams this year, as we talked about earlier, as late as 2026. We now know we'll have a 12 team college football playoff field, but right now it's still exclusive. Only four teams go to the playoffs. Who will it be this year? Let me start with college football playoff contenders close but not good enough. The Utah Utes, I think, are going to be a contender this year coming out of the Pac-12. Utah and USC might be the two teams battling for the conference championship in the Pac-12. You look at Utah, they have some challenging games, including three games on the road that are going to be a handful. They're going to open up at Florida this weekend. The Swamp, they've got a brand-new coach in Gainesville, but... Utah at Florida is kind of the Urban Meyer Bowl, I guess. You have to go to the Rose Bowl to take on UCLA. Now, the thing about that is that is not a hostile environment in Pasadena. The Utah-USC game is at Utah, so that's a plus for the Utes. And Utah also has to go to nationally ranked Oregon. So I'm having a hard time believing Utah is going to sweep road games against Florida, UCLA, and Oregon. A one-loss Utah team probably doesn't go to the playoff based on the strength of schedule or lack thereof coming out of the Pac-12. Even though you could win at Florida, that's a really nice SEC win, but I think Utah comes up short. Baylor coming out of the Big 12. Baylor has a really outstanding chance to win that conference title but still may not make the playoff. They have to go BYU. That's a tricky game, as we know, as Irish fans. That's a pretty good BYU team coming back. Baylor also has to go to Ames to take on Iowa State. They're going to host Oklahoma State, so that's a plus. But Baylor has to go to Norman to take on Oklahoma, plus a game at Texas. It just appears to me there's going to be two losses in there, so Baylor will be out. Another team close but not good enough I go back to Oregon. They have to take on Georgia this weekend in Atlanta on a neutral field, but neutral field in quotation marks since they're playing in Atlanta close to the Bulldog fans. Also, Oregon has to host BYU-UCLA-Utah and a game that could be interesting at Oregon State. Oregon, good but not good enough. And the other team I want to mention that's close but not good enough for making the playoff, Texas A&M. A lot of chatter in College Station. Let's see how good they are. They play App State. That's not going to be a cakewalk. Let me tell you right now, it's going to be at A&M, but watch out there. A&M also has Miami, Arkansas, Ole Miss, Florida, LSU at home, and they have to go to Alabama for a matchup with Uncle Nick. A&M probably are going to have at least two losses, not a playoff team. So now we get to my prediction for the four teams that will make the college football playoff. All right, we start at number four. I'm going to go with the champions of the Atlantic Coast Conference, the Clemson Tigers. They will find their offense. I think their defense is going to be elite. And I think Clemson is helped out by their schedule. I think Clemson has a chance to be at the worst a one-loss team. They're gonna go to Wake Forest, but is Sam Hartman gonna be back for Wake Forest, their great quarterback? They put up a lot of points against VMI last night, but that was VMI. Clemson also has to play an NC State team that could be a challenge, that's at home. They do go to Boston College to take on Phil Dracovic and the Eagles. And then two road games, I think they split these. At Florida State, at Notre Dame. You win both of those, your resume looks really good, and you also have a home game against Miami. So I think Clemson re-figures it out, and they sneak into the playoff as a one-loss team. Clemson, number four. Number three, let's go with... The Georgia Bulldogs, the defending national champions, will not win the SEC, but it'll be a one-loss Georgia team getting into the playoffs. They take on Oregon and Atlanta this weekend. They've got Auburn at home, but Auburn should not be that great. The cocktail party against Florida on a neutral field. They get Tennessee at home, and really their toughest road game is at Kentucky. Kentucky is not a pushover. But that might be their biggest challenge away from home. So Georgia comes in at number three. All right, so now let's move along to number two in the college football playoffs. My prediction has the Big Ten champions, the Ohio State Buckeyes, in that spot. We all know about the game this Saturday against Notre Dame. Ohio State, the rest of their schedule seems manageable to me. Wisconsin at home at Michigan State, who they thumbed to last year. Penn State last night against Purdue. They're okay. I, eh. Purdue's defense, horrible. The coaching was horrible down the stretch. Offensive play calling, trying to milk that victory. I don't know. Purdue fans love Jeff Braum. I, I've never been on the bandwagon. And O'Connell for being such a weapon on offense. 50% passing against Penn State, not good enough. I'm, Penn State's okay, but I, ugh. And then they'll beat Michigan at the horseshoe. So I think Ohio State, good chance, if they beat Notre Dame, will go undefeated into a number two ranking into the college football playoff. And my prediction for the number one seed, the Alabama Crimson Tide, this is their best team in five or six years. They've got a tough schedule. I mean, there are some challenges. They can lose and still get in. Now, of course, if they lose in the regular season, they have to beat somebody in the SEC title game, likely Georgia, to get in. But I think Alabama, if they stay healthy, they're going to be an absolute handful at Texas, at Arkansas, at Tennessee, at LSU, at Ole Miss. I mean, that's five challenging road games. They get Texas a m at home. And the Iron Bowl against their friends from Auburn will be in Tuscaloosa. So I've got number four Clemson against number one Alabama in a semifinal with the Crimson Tide rolling to a double digit victory over Clemson. Number three Georgia taking on number two Ohio State. I've got the Buckeyes advancing past the Bulldogs into the title game. And the national champions for 2022, Uncle Nick. Sweet home Alabama, the Alabama Crimson Tide. Again, I think this is their best team in a few years. If they've got their offensive line figured out, that was a problem last year. I think they're going to be an absolute juggernaut this year, despite kind of a fun schedule this year. This is going to be interesting with Texas, Arkansas, Tennessee, LSU, and Ole Miss on the road. LSU, why am I putting them on the list? They're going to cruise by LSU. They're poorly coached, right? They've got no coaching down there in Baton Rouge. 552 Budweiser's Weekday sports Speed on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: One question, five answers. This is the My Five Questions of the Day on Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: I'm Taron Pritchett at 557. Today's question, the top five ways I believe the Notre Dame-Ohio State game will play out tomorrow night in Columbus, 7.30 kick on WSBT Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, this is number five. Tyler Buckner will be forced to throw the ball more in the second half than you would want. I expect the Buckeyes to have the lead at halftime and Notre Dame in the second half. You can't totally leave your game plan right away early in the third quarter. You want to run the football as best you can, but if you're down by, let's say, 10, 14 points late third quarter, The complexion of the offensive play calling will change, and we'll be able to see what Tyler Buckner can do in a spot where throwing the football down the field, making big plays, is going to be vital to help this team get back into the ballgame. At Virginia Tech last year, he was in there most of the game, and then Cohn replaced him when they had to throw it. Four! Number four, Notre Dame will run the football, I think, very solidly. In this ballgame. In my predictions early on in the hour, I had the Irish 27 carries for 125 yards, 4.6 yards per carry. I think Audrick Estime, most rushing attempts, most rushing yards in the ballgame. I think Chris Tyree is going to be a vital part of the offense, but not used just as a running back in this ballgame. I'm just kind of curious to see how Ohio State handles the big guy Estime if he gets the number of carries that I think he will. In tomorrow's game. Okay, okay. Uh, Number three. The five ways the Notre Dame-Ohio State game will play out, in my opinion. Number three, Ohio State's defense is surprisingly more improved than I first thought possible this summer. If the intel is correct that that defensive line for Ohio State is a whole lot better, then that changes the look of the Buckeye defense. They got overpowered last year at times. Notre Dame can do that to an opposition with that offensive line. So if the intel is right, that defensive line is better, that's going to make that entire defense, I think, better and further along in their transition under new defensive coordinator Jim Knowles. Number two. C.J. Stroud with a very strong performance to kick off his Heisman campaign. I estimate Stroud, 300 passing yards and three touchdowns. In the ball game, love to see Notre Dame force Stroud to go 10, 11, 12 plays down the field to score rather than that big play that can just tear your heart out. You force the Buckeyes to go with those long drives. Negative things can happen in favor of this fighting Irish football team. Force a turnover, a sack, whatever the case may be. Keep the ball in front of you. It's going to be huge in tomorrow's ball game, just because I have so much respect for the Buckeyes quarterback and their wide receivers. Number one. Top five ways the Notre Dame-Ohio State game will play out. Well, the last five, six years, outside of a playoff game, I have not picked Notre Dame to lose by double digits, hardly at all. They've been the favorite. They've been taking care of business, but... I think Notre Dame's a really good team. I think they're a top-20 football team throughout this year. I think maybe even top-15, if not better. But they're just playing a team that could be in the running for a national championship, a playoff contender. They're playing one of the best teams in the country in the first game. And I have the Buckeyes covering. I have Ohio State winning 38-17, to 17. and I cannot wait to be wrong. You guys can all grill me on Twitter email, whatever the case may be. Hope I'm wrong because I'd love to be talking to you Monday about a Fighting Irish victory. 601 at WSBT. Budweiser's Weekday sports Sportsbeat continues on your home of the Fighting Irish in tomorrow's Notre Dame-Ohio State game with coverage starting at 2 o'clock here on Sports Radio 960. WSBT the Irish and the Buckeyes squaring off at the horseshoe and of course we'll have all the coverage for you on WSBT radio and our friends at WSBT 22 will have plenty of coverage as well before and after the game Pete Byrne the sports director at WSBT 22 joins me here on WSBT radio Pete great to catch up with you how are you I'm doing great Darren how was your summer Summer was good. We've had a good fall camp other than Jared Patterson getting hurt. I feel like we're kind of ready for some football in these parts. We'll see if Jared goes or not. I'd like to just ask you, you had a chance to sit down with Marcus Freeman, the head coach of the Fighting Irish Mm -hmm. recently. There are so many positive vibes when it comes to Freeman. Fans, Media who doesn't like Notre Dame now calls Notre Dame kind of cool. So something weird's going on right now. Give our listeners a little idea. When you had the chance to sit down to Marcus, is it what you expected, kind of what you see as what you get?
3: Yeah, and to be fair, what I expected is what I've what I've come to know to, to get over the last half year and change. I mean, it's not the first time I've had the opportunity to sit down with him since he's been named the head coach. Uh, but, but I think one of the reasons why there's such good vibes right now is that he's just a really likable, likable guy. I mean, he's always been very polite and kind with me and open. And, you know, when you ask him questions, he answers them. He doesn't dance around him. And I I see him out in the community, you know, talking to fans, signing autographs, taking pictures. Um, So he's a likable guy. And as a head coach, there's nothing not to like because so far he doesn't have a resume there. Right. So, I mean, what ultimately makes people like or dislike a football coach in a town like this? it's it's the wins and the losses um and so far he he doesn't have anything not to like um that that may change in a number of weeks here but but hopefully not obviously we're going to get a really really good good sample size tomorrow night when they take on what some people think are the best team in the country um but in in terms of sitting down with marcus i mean he's just he he seems like a regular guy you wouldn't think he's the head football coach at notre dame you wouldn't think that he was drafted by an nfl team
2: he's uh just like talking to your neighbor. Hmm. Pete, I've been saying all summer, my personal opinion is this Notre Dame football team, they're somewhere sandwiched in between a 9-3, and 10-2 football team. And I guess I'm a little more hesitant this year, mainly because – I really don't know what they have at the quarterback position from the standpoint of throwing the football. I am totally impressed with what Tyler Buckner can do athletically, running the football last year. I just kind of need to see – the passing success he had in high school now show up at the collegiate level. If he turns out to look like from a passing standpoint, let me just throw out a name, Ian book. Then I lean more toward 10 and two, 11 and one, but I guess I'm just kind of stuck. That new quarterback is holding me back just a little bit. What is your feeling about this Irish team going into the season?
3: Well, I think it's a really good football team. Um, and I think it's good because a, I, I think that their defense is going to be outstanding. I mean, they lost they lost maybe the best defensive back of, of, of this century at Notre Dame, and Kyle Hamilton. And who do they replace him with? The guy who beat him out for All-American last year. So, um, and obviously, Brandon Joseph's a different kind of player than, than Kyle Hamilton. But if you're going to replace a first-round draft pick, doing it with an All-American from the Big Ten is a pretty good way to start. But I just love the talent on their defense. I think getting Isaiah Fosky back for this year just just makes them so so dangerous on that side of the football. And I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm curious about the quarterback position. I, I have nothing bad to say about Tyler Buckner right now, but, but he's a huge question mark right now just because all we've seen is very small sample size from him, and all they let him do last year was run the football unbelievably athletic i think having a mobile quarterback forces the defense to do some things that opens things up so i i like the potential that he has but but i'm with you i, I think i think you want to see it and you want to see it with some regularity before you feel confident in it having said that i mean you say you say if if you think he's as good as ian book as a passer you'd feel pretty good about the team i, I remember a couple years ago nobody seemed to think ian book was even that good of a passer right like <laughs> so I I would say if if that's where the bar is, I I certainly would hope that a guy that was recruited with the kind of chops that he had would would be able to do that. Maybe not week one in Columbus against a really good football team, right? But I I think by the time you're a month or so into the season, uh, a kid with his skill set should be a guy that Irish fans are feeling pretty good about. I certainly hope so.
2: Pete Byrne, WSBT 22 sports director here in South End, joining me on Budweiser's weekday sports beat. I asked this question to my Twitter followers this week. So I'm going to ask you the same exact question in terms of Notre Dame football and this team, what are you most confident in going into this first game? And on the other side of the coin, is there an area of the team that you kind of need to see, or you have concerns about?
3: Uh, I'll start with what I need to see first. Cause for me, it's, it's obvious and it's, it's, it's catching the football. If your last name isn't mayor, right? Like I, do they have some dudes that that can change the game on the outside at wide receiver? Um, I, I know they've got some guys with some speed. They've got some guys with some size, but they're all they're all they're all really unproven, and they're young. So, um, I, I that's that's my big concern: is do they have anybody other than Mike Mayer that they can throw the ball to? What I'm most confident in, I, I would have said offensively. Patterson got hurt. Um, yeah. I mean, I I think that they're potentially the best offensive line in the country with him. Um, and they may have him. Marcus Freeman said yesterday that he was questionable. But to me, when, when you say questionable two days before a game, I'm leaning towards they'd like to, but probably he's not ready. Um, I, I, but I feel very confident in their offensive line. I feel really confident in their defensive line, too, because like, like I said, they've got some dudes there. Isaiah Foskey I like, the Adam Alola brothers. I think Riley Mills is going to be a guy that Irish fans love. And then they say that they've got really good depth and that they can roll guys through every other play. So if that's the case, I mean, if they can really roll seven or eight guys in there, and, and we saw what they did last year, um, I think that defensive line is, is going to be really fun to watch this year.
2: Pete, how would you describe Audric Estime, fighting Irish running back, to fighting Irish fans who have not seen a whole lot of him? You know what, you know what I
3: said on day one of camp? I said Jerome Bettis without the stomach. (laughs) I mean, that's what he looks. I'm, I'm telling you, that's what he looks like. I mean, he is a tank, Darren. He is so, so big, but, but lean at the same time. You know what I mean? If that's possible, like he does, he looks like he should be a defensive end, not a running back. Um, and I've only seen him play in limited sample size as you, but when you talk to him, he sounds like a dude who likes contact. Um, so I mean, I, I'm really, really excited about Audrey Estimate. I've never, I've never seen him in in meaningful carries, right? Um, but he's he's a guy that I think could be really, really fun to watch, just based on his build. Again, we don't get to see him pound on each other a whole lot in practice, um, but but he looks like a guy that could that could be really entertaining.
2: Pete, I think back to last year. I, I thought it was a really, really good Notre Dame football team that probably was not fully tested like we thought during the regular season since there were a Mm -hmm. couple of teams that just didn't turn out to be as good as we thought. North Carolina, a prime example. They were ranked in the top ten at the start of the year. You look at this year's schedule, four games pop up immediately, Ohio State, Clemson, BYU, USC. Do you think there's an outside chance this Notre Dame football team this year might be better than last year's team but the record may not indicate it i think there's an excellent chance of that
3: i mean they were 11 and 1 last year and and i think if they had played cincinnati a couple weeks later that's probably a game that they win i mean i definitely think that they were better than cincinnati at the end of the year than they were when they when they played them um but you're right they they weren't really tested i mean i Cincinnati had a good year last year, but I, I don't think they were one of the four best teams in college football. I don't know too many people that do think that way. Um, and, 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 yeah, I, I mean, obviously, I mean, Ohio State, I, I have no problem with them being ranked number two, right? I mean, they, they have some dudes on both sides of the football. And that's as good of a team as I think we've seen Notre Dame play in the regular season in a long time, right? I mean, Clemson was number one a couple years ago, but the COVID year, you almost have to throw out the window. It was a great game, but there's there so much flukiness about that year. I mean, I can't remember a, a game as as big as this one that they're going to open with. And then, yeah, they, they do have Clemson coming back this November, and they've got that BYU team. I, I, I'm really curious to see how, how that game goes a few weeks from now. I, I think the Las Vegas element, is going to trip one of those two teams up. I'm just mm-hmm. not sure which one it is, you know, but I, there's, there's just, I mean, we've, we've heard so much about, about that game already. And nobody talks about BYU or Notre Dame. They just talk about Las Vegas. Right. Like, so <laughs> um, yeah, I, 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 think the schedule's. I mean, it's like a, it's like a typical Notre Dame schedule, right. From, from, from back in the, in the, in the whole days where they were playing four or five top 25 teams a year and And if, and if you weren't a top five team, you're going to take some lumps. I I think they could be a top 10 team and lose twice this year. Um, I, I think they could be a top five team and lose this year.
2: Mm. Pete, I made a good point that that Las Vegas trip might trip somebody up. You know what? I don't think it's going to be Notre Dame because if you think about it this summer, I think Marcus Freeman was very hands-on with his football team, communicating with this football team, highly involved in everything. We didn't have any hiccups or any little side stories, you know, in the offseason, like the car accident we had last year, the kind of start of the offseason. So I think the more hands-on approach of Marcus Freeman compared to the old head coach tells me that even though there's a lot of temptation in Vegas, I think this football team listens to their head coach.
3: Yeah, it's you saying that
2: reminds me of. Uh, I was having a conversation with with Mike Bray a
3: few weeks ago, um, and we, we were we were just kind of casually talking a little bit about football and, and Marcus and and the time that they'd spent together. And and what Bray said to me that that struck a chord was he said that there's pressure on the players right now because they want to win for him. They went yeah. to like they wa- they wanted him. They got what they wanted, and it was him. And now that puts pressure on them to perform to like kind of validate. You know what they stood up for all those months ago, and so you're right. A team that that is that invested probably doesn't probably doesn't make the silly the silly kind of off field mistakes. And and like you mentioned, we haven't seen it. So I, I'm I'm interested to see if if that if that shows on the football field, right? Like that that the fact that they're so invested in this and in him changes changes how it looks on Saturdays.
2: You know, one thing, Pete, I'm really curious about on Saturday is the Notre Dame offense with Tommy Reese calling the plays. Now, that's nothing new, but the shadow of Brian Kelly is no longer hovering over the top of Tommy Reese. Now, Mm -hmm. I'm sure in tough moments, Brian was someone he could rely on and help him through a situation now more on the shoulders of Tommy this year. He's got guys like Jared Parker on staff who's called plays before, so he's got people around him to help him if he has any thoughts or questions in tough spots. But I'm just wondering, are we going to see any tweaks in this offense with Brian Kelly gone and now Tommy Reese really having almost a clean slate to do what he wants? Now, he was the quarterback in a Brian Kelly system. He coached it, so I'm not expecting him to change the world, but I'm just wondering if we're gonna see a different Tommy Reese on Saturday and throughout this season.
3: Yeah, well, I think we've already seen our first tweak, and that was that we've known who the quarterback is for three weeks now, right? Yeah. That's like right. I mean the, the music <laughs> like like the the quarterback nonsense doesn't help anybody out and it doesn't fool anybody either, right? Like there was no quarterback there was no quarterback competition last year. I don't care how many times you said it, right? We all knew who the quarterback was gonna be. But 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 there was this this musical quarterback in practice, you know, and you know, so I, I think the fact that Buckner's been getting all the reps for pretty much all of camp, I think that's important, right? Because he's a young quarterback and he and he needs those reps. So I, I think I think they've known, I I think that there was competition, but I think that the coaches Tommy and Marcus have had a real good idea ever since last April that Buckner was their guy, right? So I think they've been designing an offensive game plan around his skill set for the last seven months. Right. So yeah, I, I think right there, that's a wrinkle. Now, what does it look like in terms of run past balance or, you know, I mean, that remains to be seen. Right. But, but I, but I would like to think that they've got some things dialed up that take specific advantage of what he does and what Chris Tyree does and what Audrey guesstimate does. You know, I, I, I ran into a, a viewer today. that was, that was talking to me and was all worried about the game because, You've got Ohio State and all these great players, and then you add Jim Knowles into their, their, their defensive room as the coordinator. Uh, for the, the listeners that don't know, Noel Knowles was the, the coordinator at Oklahoma State last year, and they had a great defense, right? So, like, it's it's just putting a great coordinator and a great group of players together. And I thought, I'm like, well, yeah, but correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't Notre Dame score 35 points against that defensive <laughs> genius last year in the Fiesta Bowl and 28 in the first half? Now, give him credit. He made adjustments, right? But they they won the game. But, I mean, 35 points is a lot of points, you know, I, especially for, for an offense that was fairly conservative the last several years. So, I mean, yeah, I, to answer your question, I, I do think that we see Tommy Reese's staple. How I would characterize that, I'm not sure. But I I, I think at the end of the day, he's going to be able to put points on the board because we've seen him do it when he's been – he's been given the, uh, the permission to, if you will.
2: Yep. Hey, two final things for you, Pete, as we start to wind down here. Uh, first sure. off, this is more big picture, but, you know, in a couple of years, things are going to look a whole lot different on TV. Your association, of course, with CBS and Fox, you're going to have a lot more Big Ten football, coming your way with the new Big Ten mega deal Fox and CBS are two of the big partners in this whole deal so I would have to imagine even though there's some great SEC games 330 for many years on CBS the opportunity for Indiana Purdue Michigan Michigan State more local teams to be on you know SBT and Fox has got to be pretty exciting for you guys
3: that's super exciting! I can't wait for that. I mean, I, I get that the SEC has been an awesome brand over the last 20 years, but here where we live, I think more people would rather see those schools that you just mentioned. And so, yeah, we're really excited to be getting Big Ten football here in another year. And uh, yeah, who knows? Maybe there's one more Midwestern school to join that conference before it's all said and done, <laughs> huh? And wouldn't yeah. that wouldn't wouldn't that
2: wouldn't that be good for the old ratings here? <laughs> hey, I mean, you're an alum. You can call the AD, right? I can call him. I can't, make, <laughs> I, I
3: can't guarantee he'll pick up, but I could call. <laughs> no, trust me. I mean, I, 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 don't. I think Notre Dame, uh, Notre Dame would prefer to stay independent. I don't think that's any secret. But, but, five years ago, when there was talk of if they had to join a conference, it would be the ACC. Now, if they had to join a conference, I don't know if that would be the case, right? Yeah. Um, because NBC's in on that deal too. It's a, it's a three network deal. So yeah, there's, I mean, there's all sorts of really, really interesting things in play in the television landscape over the coming years of college football. I just love the fact that the two channels that, that I work for here are both going to have, have a real big presence in, in, in not only the college game, but particularly the big 10 where, where we have so many teams around here that we like to
2: watch. All right, finally, I know on our sister station, 96 won the ton in a couple of moments, big Northern Lakes Conference matchup. The third-ranked team in 5A, yes. the undefeated Mishawaka Cayman, are taking on Northridge. And, of course, I know there will be many WSBT 22 cameras across the area tonight, getting ready to have some good highlights tonight on 22, probably at about 11 o'clock or 10 o'clock on Fox.
3: Yeah, ten thirty on Fox and eleven uh, on W S B T twenty two. Yeah, boy, Mishawaka's looked really good the first couple weeks. I mean, no uh, no disrespect to anyone else in the Northern Lakes because there are several good teams in that league, but but I, I think they're gonna be a hard team to knock off this year in the regular season. Agreed. There's a couple teams that have a chance. Warsaw's look good, Northwoods look good. Northwich has a good team, but but I'm telling you when 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 Mishawaka has it rolling, I mean they I mean they they have really laid it on Couple of couple of pretty good football teams, I think, so far. Um, so I I like what Kinder's done. But yeah, we're, we're gonna have that game with Northridge tonight. Uh, power in around here, so we're gonna have their game. A couple of games from around South Bend and Mishawaka as well. And then uh, we've also got the report coming up the Horseshoe tonight too. Bennett and I are in Columbus uh, covering the game for, the, for Notre Dame this weekend. So we've got a whole bunch of high school football and. A bunch of When I sat down with Marcus Freeman a couple weeks ago, I spent a lot of time talking to him specifically about this opening game against Ohio State, So, and we've been hanging on to some of that stuff. So you can get some of his thoughts, particularly about playing Ohio State, what it's like to be in the horseshoe, and and what kind of atmosphere we can expect to see here this weekend.
2: Pete, always good to catch up with you. Thank you so much for your time and your thoughts on this Fighting Irish football team, and we'll catch up with you again real soon.
3: Yeah, my pleasure. Can't wait, Darren. Thanks.
2: That's Pete Burns, Sports Director, WSBT twenty-two in South Bend. We wrap up Sports Beat next on Sports Radio nine sixty WSBT.
0: Money, money, money. Money, 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 money. Show me the money. We go with Sizzle. We go with Sizzle.
2: It's time once again to talk sports wagering on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. My name is Darren Pritchett. As we start to wind down this Friday installment of Budweiser's Weekday sports beat, with South Bend Cubs baseball coming up in just a couple of moments. Well, it's fair to say this has been one of the worst weeks I've had since I rejoined Budweiser's weekday sports beat in late May. This is just one of those weeks the picks are not going to work out. And last night we had some tough, tough losses. So let's go ahead and recap what happened last night. We start with Purdue and Penn State in West Lafayette. I took the Boilermakers plus three and a half. Lost by the hook 35 to 31 as Penn State picked up the victory with a last minute touchdown. Pittsburgh and West Virginia, the backyard brawl. I took Pittsburgh minus seven and a half, lost by the hook. Common theme last night, eh? 38-31, Pittsburgh won, but I came up a half a point short for a second consecutive game last night. Welcome to the college football season, Darren. Two hook losses last night. Major League Baseball actually went a little better. The Red Sox scored two in the eighth and four in the ninth to rally to beat the Rangers 9-8. I had the Red Sox on the money line at minus 105, so we really dodged a bullet there. I almost feel like we deserved that after those hook losses in college football. And this one turned out great. Spencer Strider, the rookie right-handed pitcher for the Atlanta Braves. I had him over seven and a half strikeouts against the Rockies at minus 110. He had 16 strikeouts last night. So we went two and two last evening. For the week, we are four, seven and one. So if we can sweep tonight's picks, we end up over 500 for the week. And for the year now, 122, 99 and two. Here come the four suggestions for tonight. We've got all college football, and these are games covering the weekend. We start with tonight, the Fighting Illini of Illinois taking on Indiana down in Bloomington. And the Fighting Illini coming off a 38-6 win over Wyoming last weekend. Chase Brown, one of the best running backs in the Big 10, over 100 yards against the Cowboys. I think he'll go over 100 again tonight. And I've got the Illini plus one and a half at Indiana at minus. 115. Choice number two Michigan State, number 15 in the country, taking on the Broncos of Western Michigan this game at East Lansing. The game has moved from 21 and a half to 21, so I'm going to jump on Michigan State minus 21 against the Broncos at Spartan Stadium at minus 110. A game that will take place on Sunday. The Florida State Seminoles taking on The family of LSU Tigers down in New Orleans. The Seminoles are getting three points. Brand new coaching staff, have you heard at LSU? Who's gonna play quarterback? Only Brian Kelly knows, apparently. I'm going Seminoles, chop chop, plus three against LSU at minus 110. And finally, don't like doing this, but we gotta pick with our brains and not with our hearts based on what I believe, and then it was kind of verified by my guest Tim Murray last night from Beeson, who is a Notre Dame fan, but all of the big sharks are on Ohio State, so let's ride with the sharks. Buckeyes minus 17 against Notre Dame at minus 110. So the four picks for the weekend, Illinois plus one and a half at Indiana, Michigan State minus 21 against Western Michigan, Florida State will take the three against LSU on a neutral field. And Ohio State minus 17 against Notre Dame. The underdog pick did not hit last night. Brewers Diamondbacks over seven and a half runs and only ended up with five. So we are 26-26 with the underdog pick this year. And we're going to go with an odd pick tonight. This is very specific, but there's some good juice that comes along with it. Going back to that Illinois-Indiana game, I'm going to say Illinois wins by between one and six points at Indiana. We get that wager at plus 375. I think it's a close game. Illinois sneaks it out because of the running game, so we'll take Illinois winning by between one and six points at Indiana at plus 375. Sports Beat tonight brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Buds for You. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. Midland Engineering Company beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. Southburn Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. Tim Grouse, State Farm Insurance for surprisingly great rates that fit anyone's budget. Call Tim at 574-232-9981 by the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. September is a Hunger Action Month. How you choose to help end hunger. Learn more at FeedIndiana.org. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt. Don't shop for new beginnings, have happy endings. And by Four Winds Casinos. Your entertainment escape must be 21 years or older. Please play responsibly. If you want to hear Mishawaka Caveman football, they're ranked number three in the state in class 5A. They're opening Northern Lakes Conference Play against Northridge at Steel Stadium tonight at 7 o'clock. You can flip your dial here in just a couple of moments at 645 on our sister station, 96-1 the ton. A reminder, Notre Dame football pregame coverage starts tomorrow at 2 o'clock with the Legacy Heating and Air game day show with Tim Growl and Jim Irizarry. Good group of guests including Derek Mays and Brandon Wimbush. Then from 4 to 6:30, Blue and Gold Illustrated's Tyler Hork and I host Game Day Sports Beat presented by Michael of Ultra. Tyler live from The Horseshoe. Game time 7:30, Notre Dame at Ohio State. And then Jim and Reggie Brooks have the official Notre Dame football post-game show after the game, all right here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Have a great weekend. Go Irish pull off the upset, get it done in Columbus. We'll recap everything coming up live on Monday. This has been Budweiser's Weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.